So Father, we just thank you for this time. God, we thank you for each and every child and young person in our family here. God, we thank you for the life and the joy that they bring. And this morning, as we are uh, gathered together and as they gather together upstairs as well, God, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for what they will encounter, how they will encounter you in their space as we encounter you here. And so, God, I just thank you for Neville and for Lila as they serve and for Alison and the others that are serving and the little ones. God, we thank you for their heart to love the children of this place well. And so, yes, Father, we thank you for this time. And Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge your presence here. That as the chaos settles, that we would just quiet our hearts that we would quiet our minds and open our hearts and minds to hear from you afresh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this week, uh, I don't know about you, but it's the start of, start of December. And for me, I have just found that this week was a bit of a crazy busy busy week um one I know a lot of you are aware that we have our shoebox appeal going on and so this week marks the end of our shoebox appeal and so that is very busy and there's just lots of things happening at this time of year um and so if it wasn't busy enough I had decided that I was going to get some new carpets for my bedrooms um and so in the midst of this already very busy week with work um I was I had gone to the shop maybe a few weeks ago and picked what carpets I wanted and they'd given me the date that they could install them or fit them and it just so happened to fall in this week and at that point I didn't really think too much about the date I just was like yep that's fine we'll make that work um, and as the date got closer and I realized just how busy a week it was I didn't quite anticipate the the work that was going to be required to prepare the house for the carpet fitters to come um, and so um, this is not my joke, by the way. <laughs> I'll leave the jokes to Neil. Um, so uh, I had to clear out my bedrooms, clear out the old carpets with a little bit of help from from Dad. And so at some point this week, I had bedrooms in the or bedroom furniture in the living room. I had mattresses in the kitchen. I had chest of drawers in my sunroom. And so my house was just a little bit chaotic and all over the place. It looked like you could have turned it upside down, and it wouldn't have looked much different. Um. And so thankfully they came and we got it installed and then eventually have worked on getting the house back to normal. But in the midst of this week, my house just felt super, super chaotic. And I think sometimes that's what the season of Advent can feel like. It's meant to be the season of peace and joy and love, but actually it just feels like chaos. There's school shows happening. There's presents to buy. There's presents to wrap. There's light switch ons to go to. There's carol services to attend. There's just so many things that we can get caught up with in this season. Um, and so this morning, as we lit the first candle, we're thinking about hope. And so sometimes in the midst of the chaos, we overlook the things that the season is really about. And my hope for this season of Advent is that we all find ways, as Neil has already said, to create rhythms and habits that find and bring ease into our season of Advent, that bring space for us to encounter God, to have our hope renewed, our peace restored, our faith strengthened, and to encounter God's loving kindness afresh. 
And so this morning, we're going to spend a bit of time in the first chapter of Luke, if you want to open your Bibles so you're ready for that. Um, we're going to look at the good news of hope that is found in the Christmas story, and particularly in Mary's story. So often uh, we think of Advent as marking and counting down towards the end of the year. And many of us will have Advent calendars up on our walls, and some of your Advent calendars might actually count all the way up to the new year. And actually, according to the Christian calendar, Advent is the beginning of the year. It's the start of a celebration. It's the start of something new. So in our Christian calendars, actually, Advent is not the end of the year, but just the beginning. And so when we think about Advent, often we think about Advent as a season of waiting. We are waiting for Christmas. We're waiting for the birth of Jesus. And when we go on to read this passage about Mary in a moment, there's lots of waiting in Mary's story. That's not spoilers. I'm sure you're all aware of this. Mary had to wait um, when, the, when the angel appeared to her. She had to wait for, she was waiting to be married. She had to wait um, for nine months for Jesus to be born. They had to wait as they journeyed to Bethlehem. They then had to wait to find somewhere to stay. So Mary's story is full of enduring waiting. And waiting is an unavoidable part of life. Not only Advent, but our, all of our lives, endure, we endure waiting. And as this morning, as we think about Advent and this beginning of the new year, waiting for Christmas, I want us to focus not only on the hope that we can find in this story, but in this season of waiting, it's not just about waiting for Christmas, but it's a season that we can be transformed. Can we make this time in this season to allow God to transform our hearts afresh? And if so if we think about the season as the beginning of the Christian calendar, the beginning of the Christian New Year, many of us think of it as such a hectic time. It gets so, so busy, as we've already said. And so let's challenge ourselves in this season to make space in the busyness for, how, for allowing God to transform us. So over the next 23 days, we're going to be sharing um, little devotional videos as we've done um, before, uh, with, where different people are going to be reading the devotional and we're going to share it in our WhatsApp group. And so I would really encourage you just to take some time that as, as when these videos are shared, just to make some time in your day where you can properly sit and listen to the words that are spoken to you. And I'm speaking to myself as much as each of you because I am guilty of putting it on when I'm driving or putting it on when I'm doing something else. But there'll be no more than five minutes and really all of us can make five minutes just to sit still. Um, and I know it's difficult when you have children, but we can all find a way to make five minutes just to sit and really hear from God and allow ourselves to be stilled. And so even if we're only making five minutes of stillness in our day, it's amazing how God can transform us in that time. And so let's open up um, in the book of Luke. We're going to be reading from chapter 1, starting at verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be a great he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit of power, uh, the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
Zechariah asked the angel, how can it be? How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was complete, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The, do the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never be, will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month, for no word from the Lord will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so in our midweeks, um, I know a lot of you have been engaging with that, we've been reading the book um, How to Hear from God by Pete Gregg. And if you hadn't had a chance to read it yet, I would encourage you to, to make some time. Um, and so one of the things in our discussion about hearing God's voice is how do we know when we hear God's voice? How do we know it's his voice and not just our own mind or our own wants? And although Mary had this amazing encounter where an angel appeared to her, I wonder if in the moments after Mary even questioned what she'd heard. I think sometimes when we read of these people in the Bible, it's really easy to kind of forget that they're just human. It's easy to, it's easy when we have the benefit of their full story written out for us to forget that these are human with human thoughts and, and human minds and human hearts. And so we have the benefit of seeing her full story and knowing the outcome, but Mary didn't. And we don't always appreciate the length of time between the, the events that happened that were recorded in the Bible. And for Mary, she had had this incredible encounter with the angel. But I think it's possible, if not probable, that she might have had some doubts. It takes her a few days before she's able to travel to visit Elizabeth, where she receives confirmation from Elizabeth about what's happening. But she has to carry this burden on her own for a few days, trusting in God alone that his promise to her will come to fruition. And so the passage goes on at verse 39. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, 
and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored as the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises, his promises to her. John inside Elizabeth and Elizabeth were the first people to not only recognize through the Holy Spirit what God was doing in Mary, but God used Elizabeth to confirm what God had already spoken to Mary through Gabriel. And this recognition allows Mary to fully trust in what she has heard from God. She has Elizabeth confirming what she's already heard and she can be fully confident in what God has said to her. And this leads Mary to speak out in prayer or a song. Some would even call this the first Christmas carol, the first worship of what God is doing and will do. Verse 46 says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The birth of Jesus marks a time where hope is revived. The Jewish people and Mary as a Jew had experienced great turbulence, great persecution, war, famine, suffering and pain. Nazareth was a very was a rural village occupied by farmers and tradespeople and most of those who were living there were living in poverty. And actually there's a lot of parallels between the world at the time that Mary would have known and the world that we live in now. A lot of the same things that are going on in Mary that were going on at the time when Mary was alive are happening in our world today. Wars, famines, disasters. And in some ways we can sort of dismiss Mary's song as some nice words that she's singing as the first Christmas carol. But actually there's a lot of depth to the words that Mary says. For someone who was likely uneducated, there is deep theology in her words. The words of this poor, illiterate, possibly young, unmarried, pregnant teenager. And so when Mary sings this song or speaks these words, she's singing this song of praise. She's not only sharing the joy with her cousin, her feelings, her feelings with her cousin, she's announcing the greatness of God from her spirit. She is confirming the promise out loud that God has spoken to her and she's fully rejoicing in the good news that he has given to her. Sometimes this, these verses are called the Magnificat, which literally means my soul magnifies the Lord. And different denominations will use this, um, these verses as part of their liturgy. Sometimes it's even found in, the, um, in Advent services and it's used in the Book of Common Prayer. And the truth is that this song speaks to who Mary is. It speaks of who she is and how deep her faith is. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Mary acknowledges who God is. In some versions, it says in God that gives me life. 
God is the one who has supported and maintained and preserved Mary's life. He is the saviour and he has given her the saviour for the world to carry. He's providing through her a saviour for the world. Mary knows who God is and believes in the words that he has spoken to her. In her words of worship, her spirit rejoices and knows that she is declaring who God is and what he's done for her. Mary's words actually share many similarities with songs from the Old Testament like Hannah and Miriam's. And although she probably was illiterate, the Jewish culture was such that passages of scripture were taught from the Torah and they'd be learned through oral repetition and listening. They passed down stories from generation to generation so that even though people couldn't read, they could learn about God, the stories of their ancestors. And from her time learning about God through these stories, Mary had encountered the same God of her ancestors, Hannah and Miriam. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. The people of Nazareth were poor and at that time often struggled to pay the taxes, not only to the temple, but to Rome. The Romans were the occupying force in the land and there was great tension between the Jewish people and the Roman invaders. And Mary had grown up in this really turbulent time where there was oppression and violence and poverty. And so it's not, it wouldn't be un, untrue to say that Mary had probably had quite a difficult life. But God had chosen this poor young girl to be the mother of the Messiah. And although she's not from a family that can afford, can afford expensive food or clothing, but an ordinary poor girl from a small village, she has to learn to face the challenges that come with this blessing that God has given her. Because her friends and neighbours will look at her as a disgrace because she is an unmarried pregnant woman. And it's easy for us to now look at Mary and think she is highly favoured and blessed. But this blessing came with challenges. There was hardships that Mary had to face because of this blessing from God. One day in her future, she will have to watch the son she bared be rejected and shamed and crucified. But despite all this, Mary focuses on the blessing. Despite all the pain and the challenges she will face, Mary praises God for honoring her. She acknowledges that those who will come after will look at her life and call her blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary knows that this is good news for all, that the good news that God has given her is not just for her, it's not just for her people, but the blessing is for all nations, that through Jesus, God will bless the whole earth. He will save the whole earth. It's not just for Mary, but it's for the whole world. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I don't know about you, but some, when I heard those words, when I was reading those words, they reminded me a little bit of the Beatitudes, where Jesus is talking about the, the God's kingdom um, in Matthew. 
But God's kingdom is one that is not like we expect it to be. It's one that is often countercultural. And sometimes scholars will use the term that God's kingdom is the upside down kingdom. And that's what Mary talks about in her song. Those that have been exalted, the rulers will be brought down low. The humble will be the ones that are lifted up. The hungry are the ones that will be filled and the rich will be sent away. God's kingdom is countercultural. And God is always on the side of the poor, the brokenhearted, and the humble. Mary's song is a beautiful reminder of all that God has done, of his faithfulness, and that he always keeps his promises. Mary took time in the midst of one of the most challenging moments of her life, of this life-changing encounter that she had with the angel, to pray and to worship, to give thanks to God for his goodness. And so as we are entering this Advent season, I think that's going to be really valuable for all of us each day as we take time to listen to the devotionals, to pause and to make space just to have a moment of thanks, have a moment of worship and have a moment of praise and quiet reflection with our Father, reminding us of the hope that is found in scripture, the hope that is found in the Advent season, the hope that is coming to earth, the hope that we have in Jesus and the knowledge that we have that God is the God who keeps his promises. And as we take time each day to hear the different devotionals in the midst of this busy and hectic season, as we take time to slow down, to remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done. So let's be intentional this Advent season and that as a family, even though the world is telling us to fit more in, to buy more, to spend more, to do more, that we need to do more, 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 let's intentionally slow ourselves down, take moments to pause in our day and have space to hear from God. Let me pray. Father, we are just so grateful for who you are. In these moments, we just say the words of Mary, our souls magnify you, Lord. We just thank you for who you are and for each person in the room. God, that I pray as they are intentional about taking time with you this Advent season, that they would have encounters with you that they would be reminded of your love for them, that their hope would be restored, their faith would be strengthened, and that your peace would reign in their hearts and in their minds. In Jesus' name, amen.